In this week's update, US downgrade does some damage. What are the odds of a decent stock correction? And the opportunity through to 2030. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is General Advice Only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. <clears throat> All right, let's start with some market perspective. Uh, gosh, what a week it was. We saw the US credit rating uh, downgraded. Probably should have been done years ago. But uh, that was a... Um, that was a pretty significant event. Uh, we're getting towards the tail end of US earnings season, and we're just at the front end of local earnings season. So there's plenty of stock volatility based around those uh, those earnings results. And we've got the bond markets that are still grappling with the move from the Bank of Japan the previous week, and also the Bank of England um, raised interest rates again. So there's still this this battle over controlling inflation and, and how high is enough with interest rates. And that's causing a lot of uncertainty in the market. Luckily, we've seen a lot of um, very significant divergence on performance. We've seen amongst uh, mid to large cap stocks, in one instance, 50% down, and in another instance, 30% up. So I'll have more to say on on the reasons that stock prices move in this fashion. <clears throat> Even though the results on the surface may look particularly bad or particularly good and the price does something different, there is a reason for that. Now, US earnings season, um, the beat rate has been strong. It's still holding up uh, pretty close to 80%, a beating on, um, on expectations on earnings. But when you look at the year-on-year -year results, they're actually pretty disappointing. So what's happened here is that the expectations were lowered leading into the U.S. earnings season, which they tend to do. Companies come out and beat them, and everybody's happy. It's the game that's always played in America. Um, but it doesn't get away from the fact that when you look at the year-on-year -year progression, it's actually um, it's actually pretty pretty poor, and. Um, when you consider that there's there's going to be a, a a lot of stocks that are now that are now overvalued, um, it it just makes for a, a bit of an unstable U.S. stock market in my view. Not the whole lot, but certainly some of it. All right. The simple fact is that as markets rise or individual stock prices rise, the upside potential in the shorter term gets less. I mean, that's, you know, this is pretty obvious, but sometimes people forget about this when they, they get beset with the fear of missing out and they chase prices, but that's the reality. The more a price goes up in the short term, the odds of it continuing to rise get less and less. And the downside potential, so how far it could fall, increases. That's just the reality of, of markets. And a lot of people seem to seem to forget that. They want to they want to buy when something's charging ahead and they want to sell when something's falling dramatically. Um, now, the current balance in the US, from my perspective, is that there are many ex extended valuations, not all. So it's not the entire US market that's overvalued, but there are many stocks that do have extended valuations. And there are also some extremely crowded positions, particularly around uh, artificial intelligence. So, you know, we're almost getting back to the sort of sentiment that prevailed in 1999, where anything that had the word internet in it just got backed off the map. It didn't matter whether they had a business or not. 
And we're seeing something similar at the moment. Any stock that's got any relationship to artificial intelligence is is getting um, unquestioned support. But look, there are numerous destabilizing factors on on the horizon. Um, we've also got um, seasonal tendencies, and those destabilizing factors I, I mentioned before. It's you know bond bond rates and, and central bank actions and um, geopolitical risks. And we're at a time of the year, August, August, September, when the market is often weaker. Now, that doesn't mean that it'll be weak this year, but there is certainly a seasonal tendency there. And when you combine extended stock prices to the upside, numerous destabilizing factors with, um, with a credit downgrade and, and a seasonality that fits as well, it's it's easy to come to the conclusion that, that on a logical basis, we could see some downside in the market. So how do we reconcile that logic? You know, it just, it seems logical. It seems obvious with the reality of what the charts are doing, because some of the charts are just continuing to look magnificent. So from my perspective, trying to figure that out is worse than useless because it doesn't give you you know, you have no guarantee of a truthful answer. Uh, and secondly, it can actually plant a thought in your mind about what should happen that actually stops you from seeing things clearly. So trying to figure it out, I just think, is a completely wasted exercise. The answer is just managing risk in a way that's appropriate for you. And, and within the memberships, um, in my business, there has been a particular stock in recent weeks and months that has really, um, you know, underscored this principle of just managing risk according to what's appropriate for each individual. And, and that's the only thing that you, you can control. You can't control how far the price is going to go up before it corrects, and you can't control how deep the correction might be. Now, the bigger picture through to 2030, um, I don't think there's any secret that I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about the next five to 10 years than I've ever been about the market in, in any time in my three and a half decades in the market. The mega trends um, will prevail. I think everyone has a pretty good idea on, on what those mega trends are. They, they will prevail. But the sectors will move in and out of favor. They won't constantly be uh, in favor. Um, They'll, they'll be making rapid progress, you know, whether it be the energy transition or whether it'll be artificial intelligence or whatever it might be, um, there'll be great progress made, but the sectors will not remain universally in favor throughout. They'll, they'll have their periods of, uh, of support and, uh, and lack of support. From my perspective, there is just a huge wealth building opportunity for those that are prepared to put in the concerted effort to get a plan, get a discipline, get a focus on what you're doing and, uh, and just execute consistently. Um, it, I've never experienced a, a period where the, the trends were and, and the, the fundamentals that were underpinning those trends really did look pretty bulletproof. So what is needed? Well, to plan suitable for you, you've heard me say that 300 times before, but the more important thing, because we're talking long-term here and it's not easy 
to stick to a plan long term, particularly when a sector, you know, might go off the boil in terms of public sentiment. And so you've constantly got to have your perspective refreshed so that you don't fall off the rails. You don't forget about your game plan and you go and do something different because you get swallowed up by the media. So they're the two really, really critical things. And that's what I put a lot of emphasis on in my business in, in helping members to achieve. All right. With those opening um, perspective remarks, let's look at American stocks. The S&P fell 2.3% across the week. Uh, Amazon came out with an absolutely cracking result. Um, Apple did not. And we'll see from, in fact, let's go straight to the charts on those now. So this is Amazon. Um, just before I focus in on the, on the actual result on Friday, I just want to make this point that in this period here with Amazon between 2020 and 2022, everyone was positive about the stock. Everyone was bullish about the stock. It was a very crowded trade and it was a terrible buy. You know, you just didn't want to be buying stocks like this up here. But down here, once we'd gone through a correction in technology, um, you know, based around the fact that interest rates were rising, and that went from the end of October 2022 until probably takes us through to about April of this year. So down here, most people are pretty negative on US technology. No one really wanted to know about it. And that was when it was a great buy. Now, that's pretty obvious when you stand back. But the difficulty is that this period here, when, when you know, the sentiment was against it and no one really wanted to buy, they just wanted to sell, that lasted from the end of October through to April. So nearly six months that you had to get through that period when everyone was pretty negative. So buying down here, whilst it looks very obvious when you stand back and look at a chart like this, it's actually not that easy to do. And that's where having a, a sharp perspective on the opportunities in the market is so important. But let's zero in and have a look at what happened on Friday night. So Amazon, great result, up about 8 or 9% on huge volume. But on the same night, um, we saw a very diverse response because Apple disappointed against expectations and it was hit pretty hard. It was down about 4 or 5% again on pretty big volume. So that's, you know, that's the reality of, um, of markets and um, I'll have a few more words to say on, uh, shortly. Uh, the Russell 2000, it was 1.1% um, was lower. So the Russell's still uh, doing uh, better than, um, than the S&P or the NASDAQ. And for many stocks, it was a pretty negative finish to the week. When you, know, when you look across a couple of hundred uh, US stock charts, the, the vast majority of them finished negatively. US dollar index uh, managed to edge a little bit higher again. Uh, so we're up about a cent and a half from, from the lows. 10-year yield has gone over 4%, but did come back a little bit towards the end of the week. The VIX certainly jumped up from around 13 up to 17. So there's certainly a bit more apprehension in the market. And the bond market is, um, is starting to, to shift. We've been up around the negative um, 0.9, negative 1% on the 10-year, two-year spread now for quite some time, well, probably all of this year. 
but that has come back down now to 0.73. So whether the whether the bond market is starting to uh, suss out the the chance that um, that things aren't going to be as bad as it thought, and and maybe there just won't be a recession. So that's an interesting one to watch. So let's look at the important um, ratio charts. Well, we'll look at the S and P first of all. Where's the one I'm after? That's the one I'm after. Yep. So there's the S and P. Um, you can see we had a quite a strong period over the pr prior two to three weeks. So it wasn't a big surprise to see it come off a little bit, but as you can see, they're quite negative on Friday. But the reality is we've only just breached the 20 day moving average, such as the strength of the trend. And we're not even down to the 50 day moving average. So whilst it was a fairly negative week, um, there's, there's still a pretty strong trend in progress here. If we look at IWM, the Russell uh, 2000, you can see fairly, fairly mild response on, uh, on Friday night to what was a pretty big, uh, pretty negative session elsewhere. So if we look at, um, let's start to look at the spreads. This is the NASDAQ uh, 100 versus the S&P. Not much has changed now since, since the end of May. So several months of really just a balance performance between the two, neither outperforming the other. Uh, semiconductors versus the S&P, we're still rising. We've got, it's a bit of a consolidation, but we've definitely got a rising uh, wedge pattern happening here. So semiconductors still doing pretty well <clears throat> on a relative basis. And this is the, uh, this is the chart that I look at. Uh, every day. So over the last quarter, we've still got the same uh, pecking order, consumer discretionary, um, communication services and technology are leading the way over the last quarter, starting from a common base. But as you can see, technology's turned down quite sharply and consumer discretionary turned up. Now, I'm sort of ignoring that because that is so heavily driven by Amazon and Tesla. Um, they they dominate something like forty percent of that particular index. So you know that's that's really a lot about Amazon. But looking down the list, we've got energy and finance and materials, and towards the bottom we've got healthcare and consumer staples. So over the last quarter, given the fact that the U.S. economy was staring down a recession. The market has been saying something completely different. This has been a risk-on market, and the and the risk-off stocks uh, have languished. But let's zero in on the last two weeks to see what's happening in the very short term. So we'll look at the last fortnight, and you can see there's been uh, there's been quite a change. Um, communication services has come off uh, a very significant peak. Energy has certainly picked up. Again, more to say on that. There's the red line, this consumer discretionary, but oh, you know, there's not a lot to read into that. You know, don't look at that and think that the the U.S. consumer is um, is out there, um, you know, buying uh, a lot of discretionary items because it's just so much about a couple of big companies. Um, and at the bottom, we've got staples pointing down, finance down, uh, technology really down sharply over the last two weeks. That's been the real underperformer. Um, 
So, you know, this, this is pointing to the fact that maybe the market started to recognize that US technology had just run too far, too fast. Just a quick check on the currencies. This is um, the US dollar index on a weekly basis. It did poke up higher and got up almost to 103, but finished closer to, to 102. But still within this within this band here between roughly 100 and 105. The Aussie dollar, pretty much the inverse, not, not a lot of um, divergence there. And we finished the week at, um, at basically 65 cents. So summarizing for Australia, uh, our index was down 1.1% across the week. Uh, the only sector in the green for the week was consumer discretionary, which is surprising to say the least. Um, but it's not the results per se that causes share prices to do what they do. It's around earnings season. It's the performance against consensus expectations and also the forward guidance that uh, that the company offers. And that's really all that, that counts. And so sometimes you see a seemingly um, poor result and the price goes up. And sometimes you see a seemingly great result and the price goes down. It's just that Sometimes more than that was priced in and the market um, doesn't get what it was expecting. And so this, the stock price will sell off. So using charts to advantage is, is a huge, huge advantage. Turning now to precious metals, gold um, was down another 17. So we're back down to 1943. And I don't know what the heck's going to fire gold up, to be honest, when, um, when the US credit rating gets downgraded. Um, and uh, all of the other issues that are out there um, that could spell you know, significant issues for, for the global financial system and, and gold is effectively doing nothing. So, and also, too, we've got, uh, as I've been saying in recent weeks, we've got central bank buying at, uh, at extremely high levels uh, on a relative basis, so I don't know what's going to fire gold up, to be honest. In Australian dollars, we actually went up because of our currency falling so just on tick under three thousand dollars an ounce um it'll be very interesting the diggers and dealers in kalgoorlie is on uh this week coming normally overwhelmed by gold mining companies presenting this year i understand um, they're actually in the minority uh replaced by battery material stocks so it's going to be very interesting to see what the sentiment is around um, around gold stocks um, at that conference. That's why for quite some time now, I've been focusing on advanced developers that have got some sort of X factor that puts them uh, a cut above their peers, puts them on the world stage as a, as a takeover target. Um, and I still believe that that remains by far the best bet because if you putting your money into gold producers, then you are tied to the gold price. And I have little confidence about where the gold price is going over the next um, year or two. Turning to other commodities, uh, copper was down a fraction, 383. Nickel fell about uh, 50 cents, down to $9.47. Crude went up, we're uh, up to 82.64. And we've got this... Um, Really interesting situation at the moment 
in the crude oil market, we've got global demand at record levels. Who would have thought with um, a lot of talk about global recessions um, and, you know, this whole global um, imperative to reduce the use of fossil fuels, yet we've still got um, global demand at record levels. Um, and we've also got OPEC and others such as Russia reducing production. So demand high, production going down, um, and also a drop in US inventories as well. So, you know, all adds up to crude oil doing, doing pretty well at the moment. And we're now starting to see a few, uh, a few calls for crude oil uh, getting up towards $100 by the end of the year. I, I don't subscribe to that. I think that's a bit of a guess. But um, the, to me, the long-term trend because of that balance between supply and demand um, is far more likely to go up than it is to go down. Now, uh, some news from um, uh, Albemarle, the world's biggest lithium miner. Um, so these are comments that they made through the week. Um, I guess they would be in a position to know more than most. They see that the global supply and demand currently being within reasonable balance as things stand right now, um, but demand rising, obviously, uh, because of uh, electric vehicles. And they are also saying that supply will not come on as fast as, as the bears think it will. And it's really just around the, the reality of mine development. It takes far longer to develop a mine than what anybody expects it to. There are always teething problems. There are always delays. And lithium is, um, is not the easiest um, mineral in the world to, um, to actually get right. So that's just the reality that, you know, you can't add up all the projects that are under development and, and say, well, you know, in 2025, this is going to be our supply level because it just won't work that way. So there's a couple of follies here. And this is what we had to, if you were bullish on lithium, we had to withstand from December 2022 through to about April of this year was a pretty tough period for, for lithium stocks. And sentiment went right off the boil. A lot of the commentators were saying it's all over for lithium, um, and yet here we are, lithium quickly back into the limelight. Folly number one was that analysts that probably never get out from behind their desk um, and have no idea about mining reality were making forecasts about what was going to happen to the prices. So that was folly number one. Folly number two is that a lot of people believed them, you know, which was quite ridiculous. And, we, you know, we quickly got back to a, a situation of, um, of a very positive outlook for, uh, for lithium. But again, we've got in Australia, we've got um, hundreds of stocks that are on the lithium trail. They're not all going to make it to commercialization. They're not all going to get the support, the financial support that they need to develop that mine. And so you really need to understand the difference between a stock that has got a high probability of success uh, and is going to get the support of the market and all the rest. So, you know, I talk about these X-factor stocks a lot. And it's just so, so important to the difference. 
between the ones at the top and everybody else. There's the spot copper chart. I uh, can't see it on that view, but yeah, just a, just a little bit of a tick down uh, during the week. There's nickel and uh, also spot zinc uh, as well, which is um, which I think is a an interesting contrarian opportunity. You don't hear many people talking about zinc, but the supply demand dynamics around zinc are um, are pretty attractive. So wrapping it up, final thoughts. Um, it struck me just how stark the opportunities are at the extremes. If you think back to the first chart that I showed on Amazon, uh, just be aware of the contrarian opportunities. Just be aware of when, uh, you know, when everybody is positive or overly negative on something at the extremes. And so we've got opportunities and we've got dangers they don't necessarily work out straight away, as we saw with Amazon. It took six months for that stock price to base it before it turned around and started to move up again. But you know, just be aware when you see something that is part of a mega trend, it's got strong tailwinds and strong probabilities behind it, but it's currently out of favor, then you'll probably find a really, really good contrarian opportunity. And a lot of those US tech stocks have have doubled in value off those lows and stock like NVIDIA has done far better than So we've got the crowded con consensus trade. You know, that's, that's the danger. And then we've also got the one that the logical thinking you know, misses out on. And if you go back to the lows at the end of last year and early this year, when US technology was just so far out of favor, that was the logical thinking because interest rates were going up, but that you know always sets the stage for for a very good rebound. Now, contrarian opportunities and dangers they don't always work out, um, but they work out with a very high degree of probability. Um, you know, nothing will ever give you a one hundred percent success rate, but uh, it's a pretty good place to start. And and you got to remember the crowd is always wrong at the extremes, so. If you have the awareness of that, you've got a plan for how to cash in on it, you've got a realistic time frame in mind, then you can do extremely well. Portfolio Analyst last week was um, the, first, uh, the first Wednesday of the month, taking stock. We looked at July activities and markets and what we could learn from, uh, from all that. That's it for this week. More information on the website is my email address. I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.